Love Talk Radio. Broadcasting.com. I'm your host, Neil Kiernan Stevenson, candidate for Congress in Michigan's 10th District. I'm coming to you live here, and I'm looking forward to uh, reading some more today of Senator Gravel's book, um, The Kingmakers, with the book in reference to the uh, issues of the mainstream media. So, um, stay tuned, and after these a couple of brief messages from some fellow congressmen and other candidates. I will start the show. Here we go. Some the laws update to his classic Biden commentary on the latest candidate, Citizen Power, that is so good in accepting today's woes. More troubling is the fact that little has changed since Gravel first put pen to paper 36 years ago. In fact, according to Gravel, in most cases the problems have only gotten worse. Gravel writes, most Americans today are frustrated and confused. They are told by everyone that they are the richest people in the world. Gravel's curious mention is that this is popular in this region. My name is Alan Buckley, and I'm the Libertarian Party candidate for U.S. Senate in Georgia. For years, I've known that our country has major financial problems. When the war in Iraq was brought on to be a deception, I got involved in politics. I ran for U.S. Senate in 2004 and received between 2 and 3 percent of votes. In 2006, I ran for Lieutenant Governor of Texas, Georgia, and received approximately 4% of Given the support I'm now receiving from Libertarians and Republicans, I believe that I can do much better this year. Three of my primary beliefs are, first, because the private sector is more efficient than the public sector, government should be Second, fiscal responsibility is absolutely must. Third, individual liberty should be maximized. So our website is www.bucklefourcenter.com. Any support would be appreciated. Thank you. Thank you. 
Pentagon and the gung-ho media needed a new story that fits the shock and awe storyline. This is basically referring to previous chapters that were talking about how the media was talking about how successful the war was and how well we were doing. Within days, the Pentagon um, discovered a starlet named Jessica Lynch, and the media got its blockbuster. In the early morning of April 2, 2003, the Pentagon's communications team woke up the press at the media center in Qatar to announce the dramatic rescue of the Iraq War's first hero, a 19-year-old girl from the hills of West Virginia. Jessica Lynch had been riding in a supply convoy which took the wrong turn and was ambushed near Nigeria. According to the first media reports, Lynch became a real-life Rambo during the ambush, firing at the Iraqis even after she sustained multiple gunshot wounds and watched several other soldiers in her unit die at her feet. The Washington Post article, quote, she was fighting to the death, end quote, was typical of the coverage. Like Judy Miller's reporting on Saddam's WMD, the Post report on Lynch was based on a mysterious unnamed official. Quote, she was fighting to the death, the official said. She did not want to be taken alive, end quote. The Post also reported this official's claims that Lynch was stabbed when Iraqi forces closed in on her position. Who is the official who gave the Post this dramatic story? Why couldn't he or she be identified? Buried in the Post's exciting report was one caveat. Quote, several officials cautioned that the precise sequence of events is still being determined and that further information will emerge as Lynch is debriefed. Pentagon officials said they had heard rumors of Lynch's heroics, but had no confirmation, end quote. So the Washington Post, along with the rest of the media, ran the exciting tale of Lynch fighting to the death based on an unnamed source and despite warnings from military officials that all the talk of Lynch's heroic fight was based on rumors. The story of a little Jessica's last stand, however, was too good to pass up because of something passe like journalistic ethics. The only thing more dramatic than Lynch's last stand was the story of her rescue. The Pentagon claimed Lynch was interrogated and slapped while in the hospital. A courageous Iraqi lawyer, Mohammed Adeh al-Rahif, was so appalled at her treatment that he risked his life to inform the Americans where Lynch was being held. Just after midnight, Army Rangers and Navy SEALs stormed the Nigeria hospital where they doggedly searched for Lynch despite coming under fire from the Iraqi guards. Not only did the military have a dramatic feel-good story for the media, but they also had a five-minute video of the daring rescue shot and the creepy green glow of a night vision camera edited by the military PR unit. The media took the bait, and Americans watched a constant replay of the dramatic video over the subsequent week. The reality of Jessica Lynch's story was a lot less exciting, but a lot more revealing. Rather than making a dramatic stand against the Iraqi ambush, Lynch had been knocked unconscious when her truck slammed into another American vehicle. The Iraqis who discovered the unconscious Lynch did not shoot or stab her and took her to the nearest hospital where she spent eight days in recovery. Iraqi doctors provided Lynch with the best treatment they could in the middle of a war. We gave her three bottles of blood, two of them from the medical staff, because there was no blood at this time, end quote. Said Dr. Harith Al-Hassan, Lynch's primary physician. Lynch was given the only specialist bed in the hospital and was attended by one of only two nurses on the entire floor. The nurse later recalled, quote, I was like a mother to her and she was like a daughter. Lynch had a broken arm, a broken thigh, and a dislocated ankle. Quote, there was no sign of shooting, no bullet inside her body, no stab wounds, only RTA road traffic, only 
RTA road traffic accident, end quote, her doctor recalled. Winters not shot or stabbed, and she later de denied firing her weapon at all. Quote, they, the Americans, want to distort the picture, her doctor complained. I don't know why they think there is some benefit in saying she has a bullet injury. Two days before Lynch's rescue, her doctor arranged for an ambulance to deliver her back to U.S. forces, but U.S. troops opened fire when the ambulance with Jessica inside approached an American checkpoint. The ambulance returned her to the hospital. The facts of the actual rescue also turned out to be wildly inaccurate. U.S. troops faced absolutely no resistance. The only shots fired around the hospital came from American guns. When the rescue team burst into the hospital, they began breaking down doors in the intensive care unit looking for Lynch, but could have just asked one of the staff where she was. One soldier put a gun to Lynch's post-located head, while others restrained a couple of doctors and a patient. Jessica's, doc Jessica's doctor said the scene reminded him of a Hollywood movie. They cry, go, 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 and shout, go, 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 with guns and blanks without bullets. Blanks and sounds of explosions and break down the door. We were very scared. They made a show, an action movie like Sylvester Stallone or Jackie Chan with jumping and shouting, breaking down doors, end quote. The rescuers were indeed making a movie. Along with the troops was the military's camera crew, which later edited the raw footage in time for the big press announcement of Lynch's rescue. The television media, of course, loved the dramatic video and replayed it constantly over the subsequent days. The BBC later asked the Pentagon to release the full tape of the rescue to clear up the many discrepancies between the Iraqi witnesses and American rescuers. The Pentagon refused. Within a week, 600 stories appeared about Lynch's heroic stand and her dramatic rescue. Her largely fictional story dominated the war news, drowning out reports of mounting casualties and its loaded bands. Lynch was offered a $1 million book deal, and MTV asked her to host a TV show. NBC even prepared a made-for-TV movie titled Saving Private Lynch, a riff on Steven Spielberg's hit Saving Private Ryan variety praised the Lynch movie. Quote, Mission Impossible but True, end quote. The Iraqi lawyer who tipped off the military to her location also got in on the action with a 500,000 book deal and a guest spot on Oprah. The Pentagon story started to unravel less than two weeks later, and news organizations like ABC News and the Washington Post began offering corrections and more accurate versions of the event. The Post ran its less dramatic version on A-17, but by then, fiction had already become fact. The Washington Post ombudsman noted that the tale, quote, didn't get knocked down until it didn't matter so much anymore, end quote. John MacArthur, editor of Harper's Put It Best, in America, it doesn't matter anymore what is right or wrong. The public is conditioned to believe everything, no matter if it is emotional stories or lies and weapons of mass destruction. I think we're having another sound problem here. There we go. Saddam's statue. A week after the military and the media collaborated on the phony but sufficiently distracting Jessica Lynch story, they came up with another show. On April 9, 2003, the Marines came upon Ferdos Square in central Baghdad, the site of a 40-foot statue of Saddam Hussein, and a Marine colonel got the inspiration to pull down the statue with a tank recovery vehicle. Marines began a dramatic show for the media cameras by draping an American flag over the statue's head, but a member of the military's psychological warfare unit intervened and told the Marines to remove the stars and stripes. God bless them, the PSYOPs officer recalled, but we were thinking that, is just, that this was just bad news. 
we didn't want to look like an occupation force, but some of the Iraqis were saying, no, we want an Iraqi flag. The PSYOPs team then transformed the scene into a seemingly spontaneous Iraqi undertaking. food for you and your family. Hemp has nutritional values that far exceed any known plant. Hemp, used for food, clothing, and shelter since time began. Hemp, this God-given food source is controlled by your government, making it not legal to grow for American people and farmers, but legal to import. Our founding fathers grew hemp because they knew of the benefits it offered. The protein powder, seeds, and oil are available through HempUSA.org. Recommended daily intake of this food source will allow the body to heal itself from many ailments. Loaded with potassium, magnesium, calcium, essential fatty acids, amino acids, and nutrients not available in other plants. Hemp can be stored with a long shelf life as a life-sustaining food source for you and your family. Could this be the government's best-kept secret? Call today at 908-691-2608 and see what the powder, seeds, and oil can do for you. Learn. Help. Shop at HempUSA.org. We do not charge for shipping. That's 908-691-2608 or go to HempUSA.org today. Are CNN and Fox online any better than they are on TV? The old media. It's a piece of crap. It doesn't work. Revolution Broadcasting. www.revolutionbroadcasting.com. The Freedom Spin starts here. News and talk from a freedom perspective. Revolution Broadcasting is listener supported, so please visit our website. And if you like what's here, chip in. HempUSA.org is now offering free shipping worldwide to better serve our customers. Our goal is to get these fine hemp products to you in the least amount of time so you can enjoy what the powder seeds and oil can do for you. HempUSA.org has a warning that the U.S. food supplies are dangerously low, and we urge you to protect your family with hemp storable foods today. Tomorrow may be too late. Call 908-691-2608 or visit HempUSA.org. This incredible food source is loaded with enzymes so your body can digest the food you eat. And it creates an alkaline environment where cancer can't grow and parasites cannot live and brings funguses, viruses, and bacterial levels down into a halt. Try our powder seeds and oil today. Call 908-691-2608 or visit HempUSA.org. If the body has the proper nutrition, it will heal itself. Ask yourself, why does our government not allow this crop to grow in the U.S.? This product is also great for pets and animals. Call 908-691-2608 or go to HempUSA.org today. Hi, I'm David Ruprecht, host of Supermarket Sweep and a member of the Libertarian Party. Do you ever wonder why Republicans increase big government and Democrats waver on social issues? Well, maybe it's time you shop around for a new party. Libertarians work towards smaller government and lower taxes. Libertarians also take a principled stand on social issues, believing that you best know how to run your life. Check out the Libertarian Party. 
socially tolerant, fiscally responsible. I am a real American, fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American, fight for what's right, fight for your life. from Senator Gravel's book, The Kingmakers, covering the issues of all the different spin that you've seen in the mainstream media. We were talking about the statue of Saddam Hussein, and more specifically, the uh, scene uh, where it was taken down. Yeah. Um, let's see, they had pulled, started to pull, basically they had put an American flag on the statue, the PSYOPs guy said, no, we need to take it down. Can't put the flag up, et cetera, et cetera. We're not an occupation force. Now, um, let's see here. The PSYOPs team then transformed the scene into a seemingly spontaneous Iraqi undertaking. Using loudspeakers, PSYOPs agents summoned Iraqi civilians to the square and picked up a few Iraqi kids and placed them on the tank recovery vehicle. Once the crowd gathered around the statue, news cameras in the square began beaming live images of Iraqi civilians cheering as the Marines pulled down the statue and then jumped on its pieces. None of the networks offered viewers a wide shot, which would have shown the large square almost deserted except for a small crowd gathered by PSYOPs at the base of the statue. Two days later, on ABC's Nightline, Robert Perlich pointed out the deceptive camera angle. Quote, on television, the crowd gathered around the statue seemed, well, big. But on TV, framing is everything. Widen the frame of the scene and look. It's kind of empty in the foreground. Now pull back further. This is about three minutes after the statue fell, and that big celebration seen all over the world wasn't really very big. Pictures on TV can deceive. Same with pictures in the paper. End quote. But a wide frame shot would have deviated from the dramatic storyline. The media was expected to deliver video of grateful, happy Iraqi crowds cheering U.S. soldiers like Paris in 1944. That's what Dick Cheney promised. Even though the crowd around Saddam's statue was neither large nor spontaneous, the media went along with the show. The New York Times reported that thousands of ordinary Iraqis took part in the statue toppling, and the Washington Post described the scene as reminiscent of the fall of the Berlin Wall in 1989 when tens of thousands participated. The so-called, quote, iconic images of the toppled statue were plastered on the front page of every major newspaper and played repeatedly on TV along with commentary like Washington Post reporter Cece Connolly appearing on Fox News. Quote, it was reminiscent, I think, of the Berlin Wall, and just sort of that pure emotional expression, not choreographed, not stage managed, the way so many things these days seem to be, really breathtaking, end quote. The news coverage of the following, following statue also gave millions of Americans the false notion that the war was over. Although the fighting was still heavy, the financial market suddenly improved. According to the EPI, investors on Wall Street, quote, applauded images of a statue of Saddam, which sent stocks surging, end quote. 
<sighs> Mission accomplished. A month later, the military, the media, and the White House PR team collaborated on another made-for-TV extravaganza to officially mark the end of the war. On May 1st, 2003, Bush flew in a Lockheed S-3 Viking and landed on the USS Abraham Lincoln, an aircraft carrier returning from combat operations in the Persian Gulf. The scene was reminiscent of Vladimir Putin's fight, flight to Chechnya, I'm sorry, Chechnya, in a fighter jet during Russia's war against the Chechen rebels a few years earlier. Images of Putin strutting around in his flight suit filled the Russian media and helped him get elected in 2000. Karl Rove no doubt thought Bush's carrier landing would generate great images for the 2004 re-election bid. Bush wanted to fly in a fighter jet like Putin, but was prevented by the Secret Service. Instead, he was flown in a refueling plane decorated with the legend George W. Bush, Commander-in-Chief. Bush hopped out of the jet in a full flight suit and tucked his helmet under his arm, looking like a character from the 1980s movie Top Gun. No other sitting American president had ever worn a military uniform out of respect for the traditional divide between the military and its civilian leadership. MSNBC's Chris Matthews loved Bush's fashion statement. Here's a president who's really nonverbal. He's like Eisenhower. He looks great in a military uniform. When asked if he flew the jet, Bush said, yes, I flew it. I miss flying, I can tell you that. MSNBC's Chris Matthews knew Bush was just a passenger, but it didn't matter. The president there, look at this guy. We're watching him. He looks like he flew the plane. He only flew it as a passenger, but he's flown. He looks for real. What is it about the commander-in-chief role? The athlete he does wear that makes him, I mean, he seems like he didn't fight in a war, but he looks like he does. End quote. Oh, my God. Bush wasn't a war hero, but he played one on TV. <laughs> oh, man. I'm sorry. <clears throat> For Matthews, like most of the media, image was reality. Quote, what does that image mean to the American people? A guy who can actually get into a supersonic plane and actually fly in an unpressurized cabin like an actual jet pilot? Initially, the White House claimed that Bush had to arrive in the jet instead of a helicopter because the carrier was too far out to sea. In reality, the USS Abraham Lincoln was so near the California coast that TV cameras on board could have broadcast shots of the San Diego skyline if they were pointing in the right direction. But like the Bollywood fall of Saddam's stature, the media didn't want any camera shots that would deviate from the spectacular storyline. After changing into a business suit, Bush emerged a few hours later, prime time on the East Coast, to deliver a speech surrounded by the carrier crew under a White House-produced banner declaring, Mission Accomplished. The speech was timed for the magic hour when cinematographers like to shoot outdoor scenes because the sun casts a flattering glow. The USS Abraham Lincoln's return to port was even delayed a day so that Bush could give his speech on Thursday, the most watched night on television. It was must-see TV. The media commentary fed the phony drama. CNN's Lou Dobbs said, quote, Bush looked alternatively like a commander-in-chief, rock star, movie star, and one of the guys, end quote. Fox News' Mort Condrake called the carrier landing fantastic theater and likened it to the Hollywood blockbuster Independence Day in which the President of the United States flies combat missions against invading aliens. MSNBC's Chris Matthews described the President looking very much like a jet, you know, a high-flying jet star. David Broder of the Washington Post marveled on Meet the Press about Bush's physical posture. This President has learned how to move in a way that just conveys a great sense of authority and command. End quote. ABC Nightly News' coverage featured Bob Woodruff intoning, quote, It was an impressive sight from the deck of the Abraham Lincoln. 
This wartime president soaring overhead and then coming in at about 150 miles an hour. The first sitting president to land on a carrier, end quote. Unfortunately for Bob Woodruff, the Mission Accomplished banner turned out to be tragically over-optimistic. Almost three years later, Woodruff was seriously injured in Iraq by an IED while covering the enduring war that claimed 3,800 American lives after Bush's Mission Accomplished moment on the USS Abraham Lincoln. Chris Matthews and the Great Media Flip-Flop On the night of Bush's Top Gun photo op, MSNBC's Chris Matthews could not contain his rapture over the president's amazing display of leadership tonight. The president deserves everything he's doing tonight in terms of his leadership, end quote. Matthews observed, quote, he won the war. He was an effective commander. Everybody recognizes that, I believe, except a few critics. If you're going to run against him, you'd better be ready to take that away from him, end quote. Matthews guess right-wing pundit Ann Coulter seconded the notion that the images from the carrier were political gold. It's stunning. It's amazing. I think it's huge. I mean, he's landing on a boat at 150 miles per hour. It's tremendous. It's hard to imagine any Democrat being able to do that. And it doesn't matter if Democrats try to ridicule it. It's stunning. And it speaks for itself. This is ridiculous. Later that day, Matthews appeared on MSNBC's Countdown with Keith Olbermann to glorify Bush some more. Quote, we're proud of our president. Americans love having a guy as a president, a guy who's a little swagger, who's physical, who's not a complicated guy like former President Bill Clinton, or even like former Democratic presidential candidates Michael Dukakis or Walter Mockdale. All those guys, George McGovern, they want a guy who's president. Women like a guy who's president. Check it out. The women like this war, end quote. So women like this war because Bush made, made it sexy by not being complicated in a feat like the Democrats. Matthews often makes strange statements, but even for him, that's bizarre. Matthews went on, I think, we, I think we like having a hero as our president. It's simple. We're not like the Brits. We don't want an indoor prime minister type or the Danes or the Dutch or the Italians or Putin. Can you imagine Putin getting elected here? We want a guy as president, end quote. But unlike Bush, Putin really did fly the jet. <laughs> In 2004, Matthews and much of the media criticized John Kerry for being a flip-flopper. But within a couple of years, the hardball host and many of his fellow talking heads committed the biggest flip-flop in American history when they turned on Bush and his war. Matthews' recent cynicism towards Bush and the Iraq War has nothing to do with some sort of epiphany. Like the rest of the talking heads who suddenly jumped on the Bush fashion bandwagon, he feared that his ratings would follow Bush's approval ratings into the toilet. And like everyone in the media who was there once, or, I mean, who were once cheerleaders for Bush in the disastrous Iraq war because it grabbed ratings and headlines, Matthew's career has not been hurt by his stunning flip-flop. Judy Miller finds Saddam's WMDs. The failure to find any WMDs presented a big problem for the administration and the media. How could the United States have started a war over non-existent WMDs? How could the media have been so supportive of the administration's false storyline? Wouldn't the American public demand a full accounting of the failures of the government and the media? But Judith Miller once again offered a far-fetched report that supported the WMD storyline. Miller was embedded with a military team hunting for unconventional weapons in Iraq in a front-page New York Times article titled, After Effects, Prohibited Weapons, Illicit Arms Kept the Eve of War on Iraqi Scientist is Said to Assert. End quote. She claimed that although her military team did not find any WMDs, they did find an unidentified scientist who revealed that Saddam had lots of WMDs after all. Where did they go? 
Mizzou repeated the scientist's fantastic story about how Saddam destroyed all his chemical weapons and biological warfare equipment only days before the war began. She also asserted, quote, Iraq had secretly sent unconventional weapons and technology to Syria starting in the mid-1990s and that more recently Iraq was cooperating with al-Qaeda, end quote. Not coincidentally, Bush administration officials had just begun offering the same explanations for the absence of WMDs. The idea that massive stockpiles of deadly weapons could be completely destroyed in days is absurd and would have raised the suspicions of a real journalist, but Miller just repeated the lies. According to Miller, the military would not identify the scientist because they supposedly, quote, feared he might be subject to reprisals, end quote. She also revealed that the WMD search team refused to allow her to interview the scientist. Under the terms of her accreditation report on the activities of MET Alpha, this reporter was not permitted to interview the scientist or visit his home, end quote. She even dutifully, quote, submitted a copy of her article to the military officials who deleted certain details, end quote. Given the military's censorship and the refusal to allow Miller to speak with the scientist who made the absurd claim about Saddam destroying all of his WMDs in days, one might think she'd be suspicious about the information that the military was giving her. But Miller explained, quote, you have to accept terms to get to be in an embed like the, like, I'm sorry, embed, an embed with the unit like MET Alpha. No reporter could have gone with them without agreeing to protect the unit's work and not expose them or their sources to danger, end quote. And so without any independent confirmation, Miller took the word of the military and repeated a second-hand account of an unidentified scientist's absurd claims. Once again, the New York's New York Times abrogated journalistic standards and knowingly ran one of her absurd stories. Miller and her editors were as invested in the existence of Tom's WMDs as any official in the Bush administration. At the start of the war, Miller's career was riding high based on her reporting about Saddam's WMDs. Now the failure to find, find WMDs threatened her career and the credibility of the New York Times. So Miller endorsed the administration's explanations for the missing WMDs, and the Times had no problem going along with it. The officials account for the scientists' assertions and the discovery of the very buried material, which they described as the most important discovery to date in the hunt for illegal weapons, supports the Bush administration's charges that Iraq continued to develop those weapons and lied to the United Nations about it. The officials' accounts were also provided an explanation for why United States forces have not yet turned up banned weapons in Iraq, end quote. In other words, Judith Miller and her friends in the administration were right about the WMDs. After all, Saddam must have conveniently destroyed them just before U.S. troops arrived. That's some ice to sell to you if you happen to be an Eskimo. The new WMD storyline. The media began to echo and thereby reinforce Miller's cover story. Quote, report Judith Miller of the New York Times does believe the weapons are there, end quote. Sorry, reporter. Fox News' Bill O'Reilly declared, quote, she spelled out the weapons yesterday, end quote. Rush Limbaugh devoted a portion of his radio show to Miller's, quote, big, huge, very important story, and wrote on his website, quote, if this appeared anywhere other than the sainted New York Times, many liberals would be out there poo-pooing about it. Since it appears there, I'm sorry, since it appears there, what are they going to say, end quote. The next day, Miller confronted some skepticism from PBS NewsHour's Rebe Suarez. Quote, has the unit you've been traveling with found any evidence of weapons of mass destruction in Iraq? End quote. Miller was confident. Well, I think they found something more than a smoking gun. What they found is a silver bullet in the form of a person, an Iraqi individual, a scientist, as we called him, who really worked in the programs, who knows them firsthand, and who has led MET Alpha people to some pretty startling conclusions. In other words, forget the smoking gun in the form of a mushroom cloud. The military found something better, a silver bullet in the form of a scientist. 
Suarez tried to bring the conversation back to the realm of sanity. Quote, but those stockpiles that we've heard about, end quote, are deflected. Quote, well, those have either been destroyed by economic sin, according to the scientists, or they have been shipped to Syria for safekeeping. End quote. All right, I'll get back to you guys after the break. superfood for you and your family. Hemp has nutritional values that far exceed any known plant. Hemp, used for food, clothing, and shelter since time began. Hemp, this God-given food source is controlled by your government, making it not legal to grow for American people and farmers, but legal to import. Our founding fathers grew hemp because they knew of the benefits it offered. The protein powders, seeds, and oil are available through HempUSA.org. Recommended daily intake of this food source will allow the body to heal itself from many ailments. Loaded with potassium, magnesium, calcium, essential fatty acids, amino acids, and nutrients not available in other plants. Hemp can be stored with a long shelf life as a life-sustaining food source for you and your family. Could this be the government's best-kept secret? Call today at 908-691-2608 and see what the powder, seeds, and oil can do for you. Learn. Help. Shop at HempUSA.org. We do not charge for shipping. That's 908-691-2608 or go to HempUSA.org today. You feel like you should be free to live your life how you want, so long as your actions don't harm anyone else? There's good news. You're not alone. Thousands of people like you are going to move to New Hampshire so we can reclaim our lost liberties. Be a part of the Second American Revolution. Join the Free State Project. You can learn more about the Free State Project at freestateproject.org or call toll-free 1-888-532-4604. That's 888-532-4604, or visit freestateproject.org. Hemp, the superfood for you and your family. Hemp has nutritional values that far exceed any known plant. Hemp, used for food, clothing, and shelter since time began. Hemp, this God-given food source is controlled by your government, making it not legal to grow for American people and farmers, but legal to import. Our founding fathers grew hemp because they knew of the benefits it offered. The protein powders, seeds, and oil are available through HempUSA.org. Recommended daily intake of this food source will allow the body to heal itself from many ailments. Loaded with potassium, magnesium, calcium, essential fatty acids, amino acids, and nutrients not available in other plants. Hemp can be stored with a long shelf life as a life-sustaining food source for you and your family. Could this be the government's best-kept secret? Call today at 908-691-2608 and see what the powder, seeds, and oil can do for you. Learn. Help. Shop at HempUSA.org. We do not charge for shipping. That's 908-691-2608 or go to HempUSA.org today. Are CNN and Fox online any better than they are on TV? The old media. It's a piece of crap. It doesn't work. Revolution Broadcasting. www.revolutionbroadcasting.com. The freedom spins starts here. News and talk 
from the Freedom Perspective. Revolution Broadcasting is listener-supported, so please visit our website. And if you like what you hear, tip in. scientist who apparently claims that Saddam had uh, destroyed all the weapons just days before the invasion of the United States onto Iraq as well. Anyway, over the subsequent weeks, talking heads started to repeat Miller's claims that the military found the smoking gun or silver bullet. Oh, wait a second. I'm sorry. Let me go up a little higher here. Here we go. Miller deflected. Well, those who have either those have either been destroyed by Saddam Hussein, according to the scientists, or they have been shipped to Syria for safekeeping. Notice how the one scientist in Miller's original story suddenly became scientists, as in plural. And that's what the Bush administration has finally done. They have changed the political environment, and they've enabled people like the scientists, quote unquote scientists, that MIT Alpha has found to come forth. End quote. Miller's shoddy reporting and exaggerations about scientists coming forward to explain the disappearance of Saddam's WMDs began to be repeated in the media. The echo chamber welcomed any news that supported the original storyline. For example, Paul Leventhal of the Nuclear Control Institute told MSNBC that scientists told the New York Times that they had buried the chemical weapons, end quote. Over the subsequent weeks, talking heads started to repeat Miller's claims that the military found the smoking gun or silver bullet or scientists proving the existence of WMDs. Soon, poll numbers showed that a majority of Americans believe the military did find WMDs, just like the big lie about Saddam's, tri- Saddam's ties to Al-Qaeda. Saddam's WMDs became fact through the repetition in the media. To this day, no accounting has been made for how the American media and the Bush administration got the WMD story so terribly wrong and pushed the United States into an unnecessary war that has killed 150,000 Iraqis, destroyed tens of thousands of American lives, and cost a trillion dollars. Just a few years later, this failure of the media and the Congress to expose those lies and punish the culprits allowed the Bush to take the United States to the brink of an even more disastrous war. He's referring to Iran. Anyway, um, 
We're now on to Chapter 4, Ahmadinejad, America's Next Top Boogeyman. There's an old saying in Tennessee, I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, fool me once, shame on you, shame on you, fool me, you can't get fooled again. George W. Bush, Nashville, Tennessee, 2002. By 2007, everyone knew the Bush administration repeatedly fooled the media on the two biggest stories of the 21st century, 9-11 and Iraq. Yet the media coverage on Iran again echoed the administration's hype, hysteria, and lies, and collaborated in bringing America to the brink of another fiasco. Iran, Axis, or Ally. The hyping of the Iranian threat began when Bush labeled Iran part of the Axis of Evil during his 2002 State of the Union address. The media immediately embraced the phrase because it fit the 9-11 storyline. The world neatly divided between good and evil with the United States on the side of the angels in a fight against Islamo-fascist evildoers. As always, reality was much more complicated than this easy storyline. In fact, Iran was a great enemy of the perpetrators of 9-11 long before 2001. Iran waged a covert war against the Taliban and the Wahhabi Sunni terrorist networks like Al-Qaeda in the 1990s. While George Bush gave economic aid to the repressive Taliban in early 2001, Iran was funding the Taliban's bitter enemies, the Northern Alliance. Immediately after 9-11, Iran provided the United States with key intelligence about Afghanistan and helped the Defense Department establish ties with the Northern Alliance which drove the Taliban from Kabul two months later. The Iranians were willing to continue assisting America's war against both the Taliban and al-Qaeda in the winter of 2001, but Bush and the neocons ignored the advice of the State Department and CIA and spurned further Iranian assistance. What the hell? Once Bush deployed the Axis of Evil line in January 2002, there was no turning back. Our leaders missed a great opportunity to learn from the Iranians and build ties between our intelligence communities that might have helped us find bin Laden. But of course, administration ideologues did not want such cooperation. They had already begun to redirect public anger, anger and anxiety about 9-11 toward Iraq and Iran. The media echo chamber, media echo chamber facilitated this bait-and-switch by sharing the simplistic, inaccurate accents of evil trope. Thanks to the neocon ideologues and a gullible, lazy media, the United States blew a great opportunity to work with the Iranians to destroy our common enemy, the Al-Qaeda. Instead, the U.S. formed a strategic partnership with Pakistan, Iran's regional competitor and a longtime ally of the the Taliban. Bin Laden now remains safe in a Pakistani sanctuary out of the reach of the U.S. forces in Afghanistan. Actually, he's already been murdered, according to Benazir Bhutto, but anyway, I digress. Enter Ahmadinejad. America's invasion of Iraq and Bush's belligerent rhetoric towards Iran also helped undermine the reform movement of the two-term Iranian president, Akbar Hashimi Rafasadejani. Sure, I butchered that, but in 2005, religious conservative Muhammad Ahmadinejad rode a wave of anti-American anxiety to victory in the Iranian presidential elections. Ahmad Ahadinejad was straight out of central casting for the role of anti-American bad guy and played the perfect foil for George Bush. Both men possess an ignorant Manichaean worldview combined with a careless penchant for provocative rhetoric. Ahmad Ahadinejad's stated wish to see Israel, quote, wiped off the map may have been a mistranslation, but his sentiment was clear and threatening. The suggestion that the Holocaust was a myth alienated even the most open-minded Americans. Ahmad Ahadinejad is obviously not a force for peace, but the threat he might pose is limited. 
The president of Iran is not that country's highest authority. The supreme ruler and the, and the religious mullahs make all the big decisions. The American media downplayed this fact in their Ahmadinejad coverage because their storyline called for a new threatening villain to play Bush's nemesis. By 2005, the echo chamber had two characters that perfectly fit the U.S. versus Iran storyline. A cowboy president spoiling for a cinematic showdown with America's latest boogeyman. The media was primed for exploitation by, by anyone who wanted to see war between the U.S. and Iran. Iran hostage replay. Shortly after Ahmadinejad's election, Iran Focus, a London-based Iranian dissident group, claimed they had a photograph of Ahmadinejad guarding an American hostage during the 1979-1981 U.S. Embassy takeover. Iran Focus was known to be the public relations branch of People's Mujahideen of Iran. The State Department labeled PMOI a terrorist organization, and Saddam Hussein had sponsored it in a covert war against Iran. Ahmadinejad did not really look like the man in the photo except for a similarly trimmed beard, but the media embraced the story because it fit the storyline. Major Western news agencies, AP, Reuters, and AFP, ran the photo along with the Iran focus substantiated allegations. This is the same kind of lazy journalism that allowed Chalabi's Iraqi dissident group to use the American media to, se- to disseminate stories about Saddam's WMDs via Judith Miller and others. The White House echoed speculation that Ahmadinejad was one of the embassy hostage takers. Bush spokesman Scott McClellan said the U.S. government took all the allegations seriously and was, quote, looking into them to better understand the facts, end quote. They do that as good a job at that as they did with Iraq. I digress again. State Department spokesman Sean McCormick declared, quote, we as a government are working to establish the facts surrounding the story. But I do want to say one thing, and that is, and that is to underscore the fact that we have not forgotten. We have not forgotten the fact that 51 of our diplomats were held for 444 days that they were, ta- that they were taken as hostage, end quote. Bush told reporters that he had no information, but obviously his involvement raises many questions. Notice that although Bush admitted having no information, he did not hesitate to mention Ahmadinejad's involvement in the hostage crisis. Ah, Ahmadinejad denied he was in the photo, and leaders of the 1979 embassy takeover affirmed that he did not participate and initially opposed it. The CIA later confirmed the Iranian president's denials, but the echo chamber gave credence to former hostages who attested to Ahmadinejad's involvement based solely on 28-year-old memories. Quote, as soon as I saw the face, it rang a lot of bells to me, end quote, said former hostage Don Scherer. Quote, take 20 years off of him. He was there. He was there in the background, more like an advisor, end quote. Scherer told NBC he was reading the Indianapolis Star, and all of a sudden, up pops the devil right in front of me, end quote. The International Herald Tribune, owned by the New York Times, ended its report in the photo with a typical Scherer quote. All I can say is I remember the fellow being very cruel, like... Stern, a very narrow, beady-eyed character, end quote. CNN quoted, quoted former hostage William Daugherty, quote, I saw Ahmadinejad's picture in the Washington Post on Saturday morning, recognized it immediately, and then sent an email about out to some of my former colleagues, telling them that what, I thought, what, I, what I thought and seeing what kind of responses they might have to it, end quote. CNN reported Daugherty's memory of Ahmadinejad acting in a supervisory or leadership capacity during the first two and a half weeks. On the 19th, but on the 19th day, I was, I was moved into solitary confinement and had limited contact with even my Iranian guards after that, end quote. 
Dalherty's 28-year-old memories were suspiciously detailed, but CNN echoed them anyway. Army attaché Colonel Charles Scott said he remembered Ahmadinejad calling the Americans pigs and dogs and we deserve to be locked up forever, end quote. Possibly suspecting that his own account was too detailed to be credible, Scott explained, quote, when you're, in, when you're placed in a life-threatening situation of that nature, you must remember those things, end quote. Washington Times repeated Scott's claim that Ahmadinejad told a guard, you shouldn't let these pigs out of their cells, and quoted Scott on Ahmadinejad, he was one of the top two or three leaders. The new president of Iran is a terrorist, end quote. The hyperbole of these old memories should have raised red flags among reporters, but the major news organizations echoed accusations about the bee-eyed Ahmadinejad because they fit the storyline. One exception to the echo chambers and breaks of the storyline was Joel Brinkley of New York Times. Although Brinkley quoted extensively from Scott and Scherer, he mentioned at the very end of the article that the former hostages were plaintiffs in several lawsuits that unsuccessfully sought compensation from the Iranian government. Brinkley noted that Congress should still pass legislation allowing Scott and Scherer to revive their legal gambit. At the end of the article, he slyly quoted an email exchange between two of the off-quota witnesses. Quote, William Darty asked, does this provide any additional leverage for you, for you all in terms of the Bush administration's unwillingness to go along with any compensation? End quote. Brinkley's implication was subtle but clear. The memories of those former, these former hostages may have had political and financial motives. The rest of the media, however, avoided this angle. Iran's nukes. The 2007 National Intelligence Estimate revealed that the Iranians shut down their nuclear program in 2003. But from 2004 until the release of the NIA three years later, the Bush administration repeatedly claimed with certainty that Iran had a nuclear program. The media did not investigate. It merely echoed the certitude that Iran had an ongoing nuclear weapons program. A front-page New York Times story on June 27, 2005, mentioned that China might block the efforts to bring the issue of Iran's nuclear weapons program before the United Nations Security Council, end quote. Another Times front-pager by Michael Gordon, October 19, 2004, suggested that a U.S.-friendly regime in Iraq might pressure, quote, Iran to halt its nuclear weapons program, end quote, in a Times article, March 26, 2000, 2005, noted that a government report found a grave weakness remained in efforts to track Iranian and North Korean nuclear programs. Of course, the New York Times wasn't the only news outlet to confuse unsubstantiated charges of facts. A 2005 Newsweek article presumptuously titled Iran's Nuclear Lies parroted the White House storyline and failed to inform readers that the International Atomic Energy Agency found no evidence that Iran was lying at all. Since the White House had said Iran had an ongoing nuclear weapons program, the media took the program as a given. A good example of how the echo chamber followed the Bush storyline is an April 2007 AP story titled, Iran Expands Uranium Enrichment Effort. The article made a big deal of Iran's announcement that it began enriching uranium with 3,000 centrifuges. Quote, defiantly expanding a nuclear program that has drawn UN sanctions and condemnation from the West. Uranium enrichment can produce fuel for a nuclear reactor or the material for a nuclear warhead, end quote. The AP observed, the article then quotes condemnations from the U.S. State Department spokesman and White House official, a no comment from the IAEA, and some inflammatory quotes from, the Ahmadi from Ahmadinejad. It's so terrible at this name. After all the rhetoric and accusations, the article finally reveals on a 22nd paragraph that Iran's 3,000 centrifuges were actually insignificant. Experts say that Natan's plant needs between 50,000 to 60,000 centrifuges to consistently produce fuel for a reactor or build a warhead. 
So in the 22nd paragraph of a 28-paragraph story, we're told Iran's centrifuges are one-twentieth of the number experts say are necessary to build a nuclear bomb. Like all the talk about Saddam's WMDs, the ubiquitous reports about Iran's nuclear program convinced the majority of Americans that it existed beyond a doubt. A Los Angeles Times Bloomberg poll from June 2006 asked, quote, do you approve or disapprove of the way George W. Bush is handling the situation with Iran's nuclear weapons program, end quote. 40% approved and 31% disapproved, but all seemed to agree that there was a nuclear weapons program. food for you and your family. Hemp has nutritional values that far exceed any known plant. Hemp, used for food, clothing, and shelter since time began. Hemp, this God-given food source is controlled by your government, making it not legal to grow for American people and farmers, but legal to import. Our founding fathers benefits it offered. The protein powders, seeds, and oil are available through HempUSA.org. Recommended daily intake of this food source will allow the body to heal itself from many ailments. Loaded with potassium, magnesium, calcium, essential fatty acids, amino acids, and nutrients not available in other plants. Hemp can be stored with a long shelf life as a life-sustaining food source for you and your family. Could this be the government's best-kept secret? Call today at 908-691-2608 and see what the powder, seeds, and oil. Help. Shop at HempUSA.org. We do not charge for shipping. That's 908-691-2608 or go to HempUSA.org today. I'm David Ruprecht, host of Supermarket Sweep and a member of the Libertarian Party. Do you ever wonder why Republicans increase big government and Democrats waver on social issues? Well, maybe it's time you shop around for a new party. Libertarians work towards smaller government and lower taxes. Libertarians also take a principled stand on social issues, believing that you best know how to run your life. Check out the Libertarian Party. Socially tolerant, fiscally responsible. HempUSA.org is now offering free shipping worldwide to better serve our customers. Our goal is to get these fine hemp products to you in the least amount of time so you can enjoy what the powder seeds and oil can do for you. HempUSA.org. Food supplies are dangerously low, and we urge you to protect your family with hemp storable foods today. Tomorrow may be too late. Call 908-691-2608 or visit HempUSA.org. This incredible food source is loaded with enzymes so your body can digest the food you eat. And it creates an alkaline environment where cancer can't grow and parasites cannot live and brings funguses, viruses, and bacterial levels down into a halt. Try our powder seeds and oil today. Call 908-691-2608 or visit HempUSA.org. If the body has the proper nutrition, it will heal itself. Ask yourself, why does our government not allow this crop to grow in the U.S.? This product is also great for pets and animals. Call 908-691-2608 or go to HempUSA.org today. Are CNN and Fox online any better than they are on TV? The old media. It's a piece of crap. It doesn't work. Revolution Broadcast. 